All right, welcome. My name is Wesley Jarena. I'm the host of the Hard Rock Charlie podcast. Uh, we are joined here today uh, by my partner in crime, a little bit different today, helping with the production side of the house from Florida as well, the current vice president of the Hard Rock Charlie Foundation, Lewis Prettyman. How you doing, Lewis? Doing well, thank you, Wes. Yeah, no problem. So as we've started this process, this being season one, the intent was to, to speak to the guys that were at that first jump that kind of came up with the idea of making this into a 5013C and trying to take care of, of our little company of rangers. It's kind of grown to, to helping others. Uh, so that's what we've been doing. We've been focusing on the board of directors, the current sitting officers. <clears throat> but today we're going to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming uh, with some breaking news. And uh, today we have the crew of uh, the uh, actual fight or die group that is going to paddle their way across the Atlantic Ocean. And as crazy as that sounds, apparently this is an annual event. Uh, and I guess there's like 30 teams that go on, but I'm going to let them talk about that uh, individually. But the three of them are also Hard Rock Charlie alumni. So that's what brings them on today. Uh, no offense against their other rowing buddy. Uh, we, we welcome all we welcome all that have raised the right hand and served around here, and I'm sure he'll be a good fit. It probably brings some logic to some of that, some of that knuckleheaded ranger thinking that goes on at times. So, uh, I want to start with, I'll do a brief introduction of you guys, and then we'll come back. And I want you guys to give me what we like to focus on on the podcast is because I believe that we don't spend enough time getting to know individuals. You know, when I run into guy, I say, "Hey, guy, you remember that time we were down on River Street?" or or whatever mission that we're on. But about all I truly know about Guy is that he's from Ohio, right? And I think that we should probably know more about each other. I have a feeling you guys are going to know a lot about each other before this ends. Uh, But the four members of the team are Joe Leach, Guy Phillips, Dave Higgins, and Craig Foreman. I want to thank all you guys for coming in. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, it's going to be an interesting day and, and probably some really crazy stuff that a lot of people that are listening say they're actually going to row across the Atlantic. Yes, they're entering the food chain no longer as the apex predator, but becoming a part of it. And so it should be interesting. But back to what I was saying, what I want each of you to do, and we'll start with you, Joe, is I'd like to just give give me a brief background on where you're from, how you ended up in the Army, and how that career or your years there went for you and and what you're up to now. Hey, thanks, Wes and uh, Lewis. Appreciate seeing you guys. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a good uh, growth of this thing since the first jump down there at Lake Dora. It's been amazing. So appreciate your time. You guys putting together the foundation, um, hard rock, you know, it's funny. It's like, so I grew up, you know, young kid from East Tennessee and Missouri area bounced back and forth dad was retired first sergeant and so we kind of moved uh to missouri when i was in high school like everybody else in charlie company that i knew was uh kind of a wayward soul didn't know what i wanted you know classic c student and then uh found my way into the army enlisted with my best friend we made our way down to savannah to 175 um and that's really where you know those i spent four years there late 89 to mid 93 um those years were like the most formidable years of my life. After that, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about those times, but got out, got out for like six years, trying to find myself, still trying to find that camaraderie from 175 from Charlie Company that uh, I had lost. Went to college, came back in as an officer, and then spent, you know, 22, 23 more years uh, as an officer, as a special forces officer primarily time out of fifth group um, and uh, 101st. And then uh, actually got to end my end my last deployment in Afghanistan with the RRC, uh, kind of being the senior advisor for them on one of their programs we were running out there, trying to get ready for the exit. And so, yeah, 26 years, I guess, a little more uh, total time. Married now, got two kids, uh, Joe and Sarah. 20-year-old son, 18-year-old daughter, both in college. I've uh, been married for 21 years, I guess, now. And uh, still just trying to find my way, man. I still feel like sometimes I'm that 17-year-old kid with a 
with a broken down GSXR seven fifty outside of twelve seventy six north there, just trying to just trying to get away from the first sergeant, you know. Yeah, I've, and Lewis has heard me say this before when we talk about transitioning. I don't know that any of us ever actually transition. You know, as hard as we try, uh, we still miss those days uh, that we spent because obviously nothing like that out here compares. And it seems that people search for these comparisons by, I don't know, rowing across the Atlantic. But thank you for uh, sharing that, Joe. And then Guy Phillips, let's talk a little bit about you growing up and how you got to where you are today. Hey, Wes. Lewis, how you guys doing? It's always good seeing you guys, seeing all brothers from Charlie Company here. Um, echo what uh, Joe said. Thank you guys for putting together that first jump. Um, I've been to the reunion the last couple of years. It, it's been awesome. I missed the jump this year because we had a fight or die uh, event. And uh, but um, it was good getting down there and seeing everybody before I had to leave. And uh, it's a really, really good event. Uh, Hard Rock Charlie Foundation is, I, I can't even tell you guys enough, just getting back together with all our brothers again and all the people we started our careers with in the military has been awesome. And um, getting back to where we were at is, you know, growing up through high school, I always wanted to be in the military. My dad was a Navy guy. And, uh, you know, uh, I graduated high school at 17. Uh, my mom wouldn't sign the papers for me to go in. So I ended up doing a year of college playing football at Tiffin University and then uh, decided I wanted to go into the military once I turned 18. And uh, so after that first year of college, I went ahead and uh, I was going to join the Marine Corps. My dad said, was Navy. So he said, like, hell you are. And uh, he called my uncle. My uncle was a LERP with K Company Ranger in Vietnam in 68. And uh, so he said, no, you're going to go Ranger. So he went with me to the recruiter. I had at the time no idea what a Ranger even was. And I just knew I wanted to be in the military. And uh, one thing led to another. And then January 89, I hit uh, Charlie Company, 3rd Platoon, uh, and uh, the 1st Ranger Battalion, Savannah. And um it's just started from there and just the camaraderie that we all built together and uh, everything we were doing was something that kind of stuck with us. Um, I got out in 92. I decided not to reenlist, but I did uh, reenlist with the reserves. So I went up to moved up to Massachusetts at the time. Um, as you said at the beginning, Wes, I was from Ohio originally moved up there with my girlfriend at the time that obviously like anything else ends up not working out, but uh during that time, but I served uh, four years, the 182nd out of Devon up, up there in the reserves. And uh, then uh, went ahead and moved back to Ohio, um, was looking for a job, hired on with AT&T, went through various positions there, corporate leadership coach and doing a lot of different stuff with them, managerial work and staff uh, with all their special services, getting into a lot of that stuff. I ended my career there in project management. And, uh, you know, um, that kind of ended, Joe called me last May and said, hey, um, you know, we kind of reconnected again. Obviously, Joe, you know, was off running around um, during the war on terror and stuff. And he had multiple deployments, Afghanistan, Iraq and stuff. And we kind of reconnected his retirement party. And, you know, a lot of that just comes from the whole Hard Rock Charlie Foundation just wanting to reach out back to those brothers again. But Joe called me and said, hey, meet me in Louisiana. And we talked and he's like, hey, I really want to do this. I said, I'll do it with you. And next thing I know, um, getting, I'm retiring from AT&T so I can go road 3,000 miles across the Atlantic for veteran mental health and you know, support, bring awareness to, you know, veteran mental health and veteran suicide. And it's been probably the best, this last year has been the best journey I've been on in a long, long time. The people I've reconnected with, the people I've gotten to meet along the way, um, just total warriors the whole way around the board. And it's been a, a lot of fun and a really good experience. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Guy. Appreciate that. Yeah, January 89 would be in a tough time to show up to battalion, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were we still going when you got there or, or were, were we at least back? Uh, from? Well, uh, we would have been, uh, oh, December 89. 89. December 89 was Panama. Uh, my math was so, 
Yeah, but but you guys were at, that was a funny story. You guys were actually gone in January '89, deployed, and uh, when you got back, uh, CQ would put us in all your rooms. So uh, our, our smoking began when we got back. No, that was me, Wes, in December of '89, showing up, yeah. working on the airfield and watching you guys leave, and then you guys getting come back two weeks later and smoking yeah, the shit out of me. Yeah, Joe showed up the day we got the call. Oh, tough. All right, so that that brings me to Dave Higgins. Uh, Dave, you're part of this team, and we're looking forward to hearing your story as well. Yeah, Dave Higgins uh, from Ohio originally. Uh, must uh, bring a lot of good people from Ohio because uh, uh, the rest of the team's there. I uh, joined the military at 17, uh, finished up after high school, uh, spent most of my time in the infantry, did everything from leg infantry all the way to airborne air assault, uh, Went to Ranger School after I became an officer. Went to SF after that. Became an ODA commander. Uh, been married 28, going on 29 years. Had two boys and a daughter. Both my boys are in the Army. Both uh, one's at uh, Ranger School today, and the other one finished earlier this year, and he's at Regiment. So, And then uh, I have a course at my house every year, and uh, Brian Knight was there, and he goes, hey, do you still want to row? We're looking for a fourth guy. And he puts me on a phone with Joe. I'm like, yeah, sure. And then uh, we started this epic uh, fast track journey for under a year to raise funds and be able to cross the Atlantic. So it's been exciting. It's been good to get to know these guys. And then uh, we're going to have a great time. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Uh, that brings us to last, but uh, not least also, I believe, a member of 3rd Platoon Charlie Company. Uh, Craig Foreman, how are you doing today, Craig? Yeah, great. Um, I So the question was what brought me to the Army? Yeah, pretty much just tell me a little bit about your background okay. and how you ended up yeah, in the Army so, and what's going on. I don't know. I was just a dumbass kid, 18, decided I'm going to join the Army. I didn't know anything about the Army. I just thought you joined the Army, and then you just did Army stuff. And so the recruiter had me signed up to be a uh, – small engine repair mechanic with an airborne option. I think it's going to go to the 82nd or something like that. I was at the map station in Denver because I joined when I lived in Wyoming. So I was in there doing some processing and I looked behind me and this guy's watching this video and all these guys are painted up. I have camouflage on their face and, and they're on an airplane and there's a red light and suddenly the light turns green and they jump out you know, they're doing all these things. We're going through the woods and they're shooting. And the guy that was, you know, processing me, I said, I was like, what is that? That's what I want to do. He goes, oh, you want to be a ranger? And I says, I, whatever that is. So he fixed all my paperwork right there. And then uh, I walked out and my recruiter, he's looking and he goes, this is all wrong. I said, no, this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> so one day I showed up at battalion. I was there with a. Uh, me and Henderson went through uh, airborne and rip together. So we showed up there at the same time. We picked first bat. Somehow we got selected for cell block C. <laughs> so I showed up and proceeded to get smoked. Guy helped me build my push-up skills. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. Joe helped me too, but it was usually because I was associated with him also doing push-ups. Mm. <laughs> uh, peer, peer push-ups. Yeah. But you know, I did that for four years, and I, I left for about a year-ish or so, a few years, and I went back into the reserves. I was at the opposite end of the spectrum. I went from Airborne Ranger to Civil Affairs. So oh. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know whether to hug you or shoot you. <laughs> And uh, I through that, I deployed to Afghanistan, made a lot of contacts, and I did that for a little while. And then they, the Army let me out to go do contracting, so I worked with, like, Blackwater and some other places around for a little while. And I haven't really done a whole lot since. I got uh, three kids, uh, one divorce, <laughs> two wives, you know, the standard Comes with your DD two fourteen. So how I got one kid left up, in high school, and then one, one up, started uh, college. How'd you end up part of this rowing team? Um. Well, we we have uh, 
for a while we had regular ranger breakfast you know once a month or so and we get together and uh i was there a guy happened to be at one he said hey you want to row across the ocean with me and joe leach and i said no <laughs> that sounds that sounds dumb as hell <laughs> and funny. then well we had been you know we had some beers and stuff it was a breakfast so it was you know it's a few days later they asked me again i was like i but then they explained to me why they're like hey it's about you know veteran mental health and you know and i i i had to go to two hands to count how people how many people i know that have suicided so i was like i think that's something i can get behind then you know because it wasn't just for yeah that's a that's a pretty good seg segue into to where we're going next uh, i've uh just done a little uh, internet research myself because I, I know that guy had kind of told us about it. But first of all, I didn't really realize that it was a race. So, uh, but I, I would have to believe that the race is actually against yourself just to see if you can get to the finish line. Um, but there's more than one boat out there because I was trying to imagine all these times I read where people want to cross the Atlantic and they were never heard from again. And so I was like, well, this surely doesn't seem like it's tactically sound for these guys to be doing this. And it, I still don't believe that it is, but looking at it now and seeing that it's been done previously and, and it seems like it's, it's pretty cool. But Joe, let's start with you and tell us in just a brief synopsis of the race and the mission. Yeah. So the race, I'll start with the race. The race is basically uh primary European used to be called the Talisker whiskey Atlantic challenge. Now it's just called Atlantic challenge world's toughest row. And it's basically 3000 miles. You row uh, unsupported human powered, you take everything with you and you row from Lagomera in the Canary Islands um, and you row down uh, 3,000 miles south to Antigua. Um, usually takes anywhere. We're a four-man team. Four-man teams normally take somewhere between 35 and 55 days, depending on the waves and the winds and current, stuff like that. Um, some years are faster. Some years are slower based on storms or whatnot. Um, and it's mostly Europeans and a lot of British and Australian and uh, military um, everybody comes with their own calls. Well, for us, fight or die, you know, um, actually another Charlie Company alum, Chris Koontz, and a friend of mine, um, Bryant Knight, who had started this back in 2018, they wrote it for the first time I'd ever heard of it. And I didn't know Chris had wrote it, but I was talking to Bryant and he had mentioned, you know, hey, they rode across the ocean, took them 55 days, and they were talking about all this you know, all the ass pain, they, I'm sorry, the pain they went through and the arduous journey. And and I was like, man, that just sounds ridiculous. I don't know why you want to do that. Like, you know, you can't sit down because your butt's all raw, your hands are blistering, you're getting in fist fights with each other, you never want to talk to each other again. Like, why would you put yourself through this? And, you know, then it, it took me a while, to be honest, because mental health and at the time I was still, you know, I was the lieutenant colonel. I had still had several years to go back in 2018. And I was like, I just don't understand. I don't understand the mental depression. I don't understand how guys get there. I was on the other side of it where I was, you know, I was, it was, it was a block, it was a wall to me. And then as I learned more about mental health and, and, and as I transitioned, it became more of like, Hey man, this is, this is a very, a, a great cause, but then it's also, you know, like, we always say we're always on our in, in, you know individual journey. Like I'm doing it for me, Craig's doing it for him, Guy and Dave. But then we're doing it as a team. We're doing it for something bigger. And as and as the you know as we're we were searching for something, just like when we joined the Ranger Battalion, probably you're searching for something bigger than yourself. You want to be a part of something. You want to be impactful. And then I mean, what other better way is to maybe help guys save their lives or or uh, you know come through some darkness? And so. For us, we came through some darkness, I'm sure, individually, different degrees, and then helping other guys. And like Greg said, we know several guys who have committed suicide. Um, so we want to bring awareness. You know, we stats-wise, you know, it's crazy. I did like nine deployments, you know, several years downrange, and you and just becomes a like a like a crack. Like you just deploy and come home and deploy and come home and deploy, and you don't think about what it's doing to you. And then you see, like, hey, we lost like seven thousand people to combat in Afghanistan, Iraq, but we lost over thirty thousand since nine eleven of just GWAT soldiers, you know, um, or service personnel. So that's, I mean, thirty thousand people, and they talk about the number twenty two a die. 
Well, a recent study back in November came out, last November came out uh, and said that that's grossly, you know, like under under scored because it's really like 44 or 50 a day um, that killed, you know, that commit suicide because of the, the way it's reported. States don't report veterans or whatever when they commit suicide. They just say it's, a, you know, somebody from Virginia, Virginia or something. So. So even with that, was I'm like, okay, I, I'm kind of getting it. It's a good cause. And then, like Guy said, when we started on this journey, we all had our individual reasons. But as we met all these people, the the you know, it cost a lot of money, right, to do this, um, and you know, cost a lot of money to help with the the, the program. But asking people for money was hard, and it just didn't really understand it. And as we met people, and we learned about people's stories and how we were helping them. It just became this, you know, it took on a life of its own. And now we we like to say everybody's in the boat with us, right? We have all these thousands of people now that are rowing with us. We're just the ones who are going to paddle across, but but we're doing it for everybody else. And they're all in the boat helping us because it takes a, it takes an army, you know, like Dave and Craig's wives help out with stuff. It takes people helping with fundraising. It takes people helping with put fundraisers together. People just giving you 20 bucks, 50 bucks, just saying thanks, just spreading the word over and over and over um but we do it because it's it's the it's a rightful mission and we're always we're mission you know mission first we want to make an impact and um i think we are we know several people's lives that have been saved through this one organization fight or die specifically when chris when chris coons rode that specific year two people called them at the end of the row and said they were gonna one was a woman who said her husband was going to commit suicide and one was an actual person who had taken a picture of a bridge where they were going to jump off. And they said, you know, basically you guys inspired us. And so we're kind of in, getting inspired by Chris and Bryant, and then we're kind of growing it. And, and from that, two other teams have started, you know, fight or die has helped two other teams get started and they've raised like over a million dollars for veterans and other stuff. So it's been a great, a great uh, endeavor and, being with Guy and Craig and, and and newly Dave, our journey together as a team has been, I mean, it's helped, it's helped, you know, my soul. Cause when I got out, I didn't think I needed any help. I didn't think I had PTSD. I didn't think I had TBI. And then, you know, Oh, Hey, guess what you do, buddy. You, you got some things you could probably work through, you know? Um, and so it was selfishly healing for myself. And then as a team, like I said, and then anybody else we can help. And that's kind of where, where we're at. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, that, I believe that number is low as well because they don't take into a lot of consideration like, you know, doing stupid shit, drinking and driving. Uh, they don't take into guys that actually fall off mountains or or maybe get swallowed by a whale in the Atlantic. But um, <clears throat> other than that, I certainly appreciate uh, that. And before I get to Guy, I would tell anybody that's listening out there, if you need more information, go to usvetroad.org. Find out everything you need to know about the upcoming event. And Guy, you got anything to add to Joe's statement about, you know, tell me what you believe the race and the mission's all about? So, I mean, Joe hit a lot of the points. And I think one of the things he hit on was that, you know, some of it is selfish, but a lot of it is um, we all have had the late night conversations with brothers um, where they're at the end of the rope. And uh, we've all gotten a call. You know, we had, you guys know how many social media sites, especially within the special operations community that we have. And where, hey, you got a brother in Akron, it's not doing well, can anyone get there? And you take that night drive and sit and talk with them and stuff. And you do that stuff. And we all, uh, you know, know our brothers who uh, just had enough and ended it. And it's just way too many. As Joe said, it's way underreported. They're not reporting everything is a veteran suicide. Like you said, Wes, a lot of guys just drive themselves into the ground. It's not so much a suicide. They just drive themselves into the ground and ends up being a DUI incident or something like that, that, it, that ends it, or it just ends their life as a whole. It, when, you know, they just put so much destruction on themselves, it's hard to ever recover from it. And, you know, I've been working with an organization as Her Rock Charlie Foundation was getting brought up. I've been working with the organization called Sub-Zero Mission here in the, my local area that goes out and they literally go under bridges. They look for veterans. They get them the resources they need and help. 
Um, some friends of mine started that and they've been doing that work and um, a lot of that bleeds into the mental health issue. And, you know, while there's been, you know, you, you obviously had your people, you know, as Joe said, just over 7,000 between Iraq and Afghanistan and GWAT that were, you know, lost their lives in combat. How many came back injured, wounded stuff, uh, TBIs, and are still struggling with everything out there. And it's just the plethora of it that surrounds the veteran community. And I don't think any of us are immune to that because, I mean, I think it's a tie that binds all of us. And then as, as we work through that, you know, this kind of bled right into that. You know, when I started learning what fight or die was about when Joe and I were on a fishing trip in Louisiana and it just, you know, really thinking about it. And, you know, I was just at a point in my life where I really had to give back. And, uh, you know, so I started pouring myself, you know, rather than working that corporate side of things, I started pouring myself into more stuff. And I, and I, I had to look to what causes, you know, hit me in the feels, hit me in the heart. And it's really the guys who've raised their right hand and said, I'll go. And those are the guys that I wanted to support along the way. And this has given me an opportunity to do it. Um, it might be a little bit overkill rowing across the Atlantic, but at, at same point, uh, you know, my family, my friends, no one really understands it, but um, it's uh, it's a big statement is what it is. It's a big statement saying, hey, look what we're doing and we're bringing awareness to the, to, to the issue. And the more places like the tentacles that we have, uh, one of the things you saw, if you've, if you've seen the pictures of our boat, we have a kraken on the boat with the tentacles holding the oar and stuff. But the tentacles that reach out um, from what we're doing and bringing awareness to the issue and all the people that we touch, um, letting them know there's a resource and fight or die. If you have family members that need to eat that, that have someone who's dealing with a mental health issue, they have the training and, and they'll point you in a direction of the resources that you need to get the help and deal with that situation. They do all that work for free. So, it, you know, it partners with what we do at Hard Rock Charlie Foundation. It partners with a lot of charities across the board. They're just in their little niche there. But the row really was really about just bringing awareness to the issue. And like I said, it's a big statement, but it needs to be. That's I think that's the only way sometimes you can get people to pay attention is by making a big statement. Yeah, I would agree with you, uh, Guy, and I appreciate those comments as well. I think what's interesting to me is uh, it, it, we, we know it because we all lived it, but it's it's totally an alpha environment and you can't go on sick call, right? You just It's just not the way it works. It's just like you see an NFL guy that doesn't want to go on concussion protocol. Why is that? then he doesn't get to play, right? He's no longer in the game. And you know that when you're not in the game, you have a potential to lose your job. And so everybody just keeps packing it in and packing it in and packing it in. And uh, it's like Chaplain Barry told me, at some point that vessel begins to break and that stuff's going to leak out, right? And so you need to make sure that there are resources out there for the guys that don't know how to handle it. And honestly, I think all of us would say we don't know how to handle it, right? Because you, you, you initially say, that's not me. I don't have any of those problems. And then people start pointing out to you, Hey, you know, that sounds a lot like you, right? So that's cool. And uh, certainly appreciate that guy. So Dave, uh, I think that, and I, I would apply it to you and uh, Joe as well, since it seems like y'all are the, the two to most recently get out. My, my point was to find that the generation, because there's so much more out there now to see, to hear you guys say the same thing that we said when we were got, getting out, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Right. So it just means that it's still out there. It's still prevalent. Again, it's an alpha dominated environment and you're, you're not going to go on sick call. You're not going to tell anybody you're hurt, but Dave, let's talk about the, the race and the mission and, and how it applies to your life. Well, I, uh, retired in 18 and, uh, um, prior to that, having a lot of just, uh, I don't know, like uh, anger issues and just, you know, I didn't feel like anybody really kind of understood what was going on in the world. And I was around a bunch of people who, who had no clues. And then, uh, you know, and, and I, I just was like, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. And then I started to look around and I had friends who were killed in combat and I started seeing that, man, I'm affected by all those things. And then I had a, a buddy who, he was murdered last year. He was a ranger guy and he was murdered 
be, because he put himself in a bad situation because he was dealing with all this other stuff. This package, like you're talking, it, it never got unpacked. So he got put into a spot and then ended up uh, getting murdered over it. And then I had a, a buddy who's two years ago called me and told me that his son, he has two sons that are in SF, uh, and uh, Joe Jr. is a master sergeant, fifth, uh, master sergeant in 10th group. And uh, he called his brother in fifth group and was talking to him and then told him that, hey, it's 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 not going well. And then uh, took his life uh, on the phone with his brother. And Joe was the Green Beret. And uh, so just, you know, trying to figure out. Like, how do you. What do you do? How do you, you know. How do you make an impact and uh, have meaning? So when uh, Bryant told me about the row the year before, I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And, uh, you know, and then just seeing the stories, listening to the guys, going around and meeting a bunch of people as we're fundraising. It's been good. And uh, Joe's trying to convince me that it's all rainbows and dolphins, but uh i'm still a little hard-headed so uh i think it's going to be a challenge uh like i said i got two sons in the army and you know i want to be able to be there for them and then any of their their guys and their friends you know my daughter's currently dating a, another ranger buddy of my son so uh there's i got three that are all you know potential in the future that are going to deal with some of the same things that you me and you know, half a million or a million more veterans, you know, so. And yeah. I know that the uh, mental first aid training uh, has been very impactful. I use it all the time. In fact, uh, I work for the state police in Illinois, and they spent $5,700 a person to send me to the same training that Fight or Die gives uh, for free. So it was awesome to be able to do that. So That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. And, you know, Craig, you kind of segued into this by talking about guys that you knew um so again it's the same question you know tell me your feelings on the race and, and the mission and, and and what do you think uh how you can help yeah it's really um it's really impacted my life because i said you know personal people you know it's it's hard to grasp what goes on because you know you know somebody who never left the green zone but 100 ptsd and I know dudes who uh, had suicide bombers blow up next to them and have to get shots from now on because their DNA is embedded in their body and they don't, they haven't applied for any of that. So it's subjective. It's just, you know, it's, it's different for everybody and you can't, you know, you can't downplay it for anybody because it's, you know, my experience is different from your experience, but I'm still having an experience and I don't, I didn't feel your experience. My experience is mine. And, uh, yeah, I, I've been to a bunch of different programs. Um, save a warrior is a really great program. Go to save a Uh, they've helped a ton of people, uh, heroic hearts project. That's when they you go on a, uh, ayahuasca trip in another country. That's all paid for. That's a pretty amazing thing, but it took, you know, it took one to get me to another. So I, uh, it, this is right after the Afghanistan debacle and, you know, I struggled with that. And so uh, that put me to the point where I had the courage to sign up for Save a Warrior. And I went to that, met some really great people, got some great help down there. And uh, that gave me the courage to take another step to go to somewhere else. So I went to, you know, Heroic Hearts Project. And um, after that, I wasn't sure what my mission was going to be. But then this came along and it came, became very apparent that this is what my mission should be to help uh help this grow and maybe get some attention to some people you know let them know you know if, if i'm doing this you know don't be stupid anymore yeah, you can awesome. get help yep and again that's usvetro.org for anybody that's listening that wants to go uh check it out and see what's going on also i noticed they had um three grants on there which i thought was pretty interesting for uh people that are actually studying to help veterans with mental health care. 
uh, or, or to help veterans at all and that have been touched by suicide. So I do think those causes are are great that are on the on the website uh, that I looked at as well. So I guess my next question for all you guys would be, how can we help? How can people help? Uh, Joe, you can start. What what do we do to help this project move along? Yeah, thanks, Wes. Uh, one thing I would say is obviously we have the usvetrow.org. Um, we have our team individual site, which is fod23.org. But, you know, you can sign up there. You can contribute money. You can just contribute your email just to be a part of it and get uh, updates from us. You can spread the word on just uh, what we're doing and just watching us, right, right, and uh, keeping up with us. There's an app once we start rowing called uh, uh, YB Races, Yellow Brick Races, and it can track our dot and call them dot watchers. You can see, like, the lat long of the boat all the way across the ocean. Um, just support just by, you know, saying your prayers and keeping us in your, in your thoughts. And so, uh, um, helping anybody in your area, but obviously, you know, tangibly anything you can do financially or to help that, that helps. It's a very expensive endeavor. Uh, normally costs about a hundred grand to do it. Um, last year we had an all air force team. They lost the boat. You know, it's a pretty amazing story. A couple weeks in starts 12 December every year after hurricane season. So by about the end of December, they, um, had capsized and the boat was was unsalvageable. They had to detach from the boat, go out on the uh, the rescue dinghy. It got rescued by like a you know a huge cargo ship that was just happened to be in the middle of the ocean unexpectedly with a handheld VHF radio. They made contact, so we had the you know that we were actually fundraising in uh, Las Vegas as a team when that happened, um, and it almost shut the whole thing down. You know before even off the ground and so luckily we were able to get another boat which was about another 100 grand <laughs> and then um you know the outpouring of people that have helped us has been truly amazing and so we're in the final month we leave 27 november we fly out and then we'll be a two weeks in log america getting the boat ready um but i would just say anything helps prayers thoughts you know um uh, spreading the word that's that's what we need so <laughs> let me back up a second so somehow in my vision of 30 boats going out i figured there would be like safety boats out on the side or something and you're telling me that these guys just randomly got picked up by a tanker that happened to be going by yeah. i, I, I kind of i went up and listened to their um story they uh were at the buffalo rowing club so i drove up there listened to them and uh three of they're all air force vets uh they served in iraq together um three of them were telling their story and uh yeah they essentially uh they got flipped in the middle of the night and couldn't recover the boat got separated from the boat and the life raft and were adrift for 18 hours so you when you're out there you're completely unsupported you know everyone kind of takes their own they're, you know, they have someone tracking weather for them. Everyone takes their own direction. So once after that probably first day, you don't see any other boats on the water. You're pretty much on your own out there. And it's about 18 and a half hours to for anyone to get there. Um, the race made some corrections. We had our EPIRBs registered in Britain this time. When the, their EPIRBs went off, it went to the U.S. U.S. called Cape Verde, and nobody responded to them. So they did a mayday call every 30 minutes on a handheld DHF radio because their sat phone had gotten wet. And their, uh, their exfil from the boat. And uh, they were lucky that tanker happened to be in the area, picked them up at about midnight. And 30-foot uh, swells and a 700-foot tanker rescued a four-man life raft in the middle of the ocean. So it was a pretty har harrowing experience. They had it on video. They're out there telling their that story from fight or die. So, um, you know, this is a, it. It's, you know, I, I called Joe after I was up there in Buffalo. I said, Joe, we're not taking this serious. <laughs> I said, we better get on it. And we did. So um, all the guys, I mean, we really pulled together in Alabama as a team. I think that was probably our best month of the year as a team where we really pulled together tightly and became a solid working team together and learned to work together on that boat. And um, so it's it's definitely serious business once you get out there. So, Dave, you got any ideas, uh, anything that any, that hasn't been brought up on how people can help the cause? 
you know, Joe brought, Joe said most of it, prayers, if you can afford any financial help, whether it's $5, $100 or more, um, do please get in there and help. The charity can use the money. Uh, we still have some costs we're covering out there. Um, we're still fundraising as we go through. We'll be fundraising the whole time. Follow us on the YBRaces.com. Uh, you can follow us across. Um, follow our social media page is a big one. Um, get the word out. Let people know what we're doing because I, I think that's the bit, one of the biggest things that this – the whole race and the whole row across the ocean brings is the awareness. And when people say these guys are doing what, and they're doing it for what, and then that word spreads. And like, we know like anything else, if it's not in the forefront of everybody's mind, it, it goes away. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is keeping that message up front about why we're doing this and bringing awareness to it. So please follow our social media pages. Any help we can get is great, but um, prayers, are definitely needed out there. Um, I think we're going to get real close to our maker while we're out there. And there's going to be a lot of conversations that we have late at night out there with. I'm, I'm sure you know, I talked to, I talked to, it. I asked Chris, I said, at what point did you realize that maybe you had made a, a poor decision with your life? And he said, I didn't, I, I was unplugged from everything. And he said, and it was the best I don't know, 55 days or whatever of his life. He didn't have any internet. He didn't have any phones. He didn't, you know, he didn't have anything bothering him. He, he said, yeah, it was hard work, but all I had to do is listen to my books, talk to the guys on the boat and row. That was it. And that's all I had to worry about. So uh, Dave, you got anything you want to add on, on how folks might be able to help? Yeah. You know, again, the biggest thing that we're hurdle running through is that we, we meet a lot of people and everybody uh, thinks it's a cool thing to do. And I agree. Um, but what we're really working hard for is to get, uh, continuous financial support every year. The crew has to basically start from scratch and, uh, we have an option to do a monthly thing. Like I do wounded warrior and I do uh, tunnels of tower. I just set it up. So it's automatic. And that way, uh, I know it's getting done and I don't even look at it anymore. And it's, but you know, uh, if we could get people doing that and we're going to be doing the miles or the nautical mile challenge. So we'd like to get people signed up to do the, uh, uh, sponsor a nautical mile and we'll send them the lat long and all that throughout the trip. And we'll let them do the shout out for them, uh, that, Hey, they're, they're sponsoring us. They're behind us in this. We're the, we're physically doing the row, but there are going to be the mountain or the oceans that everybody's got to deal with in their own life as a veteran, uh, the ups, the downs and all that, we're going to physically do that this year. And we're hoping that we can continue uh, to grow the organization so that they can help more people and inspire more people to, you know, take that chance. The whole organization is fight or die. So like we need to get as many people as we can in the arena, as opposed to just watching on the sidelines. So, so where would somebody find the ability to sponsor a, a mile? So I think we've got to set that up, but it's going to be on the FOD23.org. And then we also have on that a donate. You can do an ongoing monthly donation. So, you know, 20 bucks, you know, whatever you can every month is awesome. And it can, it goes straight straight to fight or die. And then um, next year's crew won't have to raise as much. And the boat's already been taken care of this year. So, we're going to bring that back for the next crew and, and keep going and keep this going as long as we can. Hey, awesome. Wes, the, uh, yeah. if the guys go to FOD 23, all of our little things are on there. We've got a couple different promotions. We've got a um, general manufacturing, uh, uh, AR 15 manufacturer out of Pittsburgh. They, uh, they make a lot of the, the M4s for the military. Um, they donated a gun for us. We've got it up for raffle, 20 bucks a ticket. We're selling 500 tickets that, you know, we sell all those tickets. We should get a good chunk of change, right? That's, we got one more month left of that. There's about 200 tickets left. You get two chances to win. You can see that on, if you want to donate, but you want to get something, maybe a chance to win a rifle out of it. You can do that. Uh, another big thing is we got our last fundraiser is going to be 18 November, Saturday down in Tampa. Um, I can send you guys the flyer, but we're going to do a brisket and bourbon. Um, have some DJs out there. Try to send off Bon Voyage of the team. See the see a 
not the boat because our boat is shipped, but another boat that's just like ours. Um, see what we're going to go through, talk to everybody. And, you know, um, that's going to be $100 a ticket for the all the food and uh, bourbons taken care of, like I said, Tampa on the 18th. And then, like Dave said, our other big thing is once we ship on the 12th of December, once we kick off, we'll have a we'll have a thing where you can sponsor a nautical mile. We're going 3,000 miles. You can buy the nautical mile for like 20 bucks. You'll own it. And then, you know, um, we'll do a shout out during that mile over. We'll have a beacon and sat phones, things like that. We can shoot, shoot social media back and and tell everybody, you know, thank you and 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 bring that. And then corporate donorship. We've had several five, ten thousand dollar donors. And and we'll, those are more sponsors and uh, strategic partners. And those companies have done that. We put a 10 by 10 sticker on the boat and they say like up to nine million people see these uh see the boats and see the races. So you get a ton of exposure for your company if you want to do something like that, you know, and there's a Hard Rock Charlie Foundation sticker on there because you guys have generously given as well, you know, given back to us. So um, several ways, all of those are available on the FOD 23 website. You know, you can pick whichever one suits you best, you know. Greg, you got anything to add on how people can help the mission? Well, I, you know, a lot of times I tell people, um, more than money, I would rather just have a ton of people following us on our social media. So I, I just feel like that's the exposures more than anything. Right. But if you want to donate, we've got to go fund me and everything that'll help. Uh, there's like, I know a lot of veterans probably feel, and I've experienced this. So like, they feel like maybe America just doesn't care anymore, but then we have all these fundraisers and it turns out they do care and they care a lot. So we just need the exposure so we can get some of that caring back to us, you know? Yeah. I, I, before I did my research, I was, thinking, I was thinking maybe y'all be coming home to Florida or something. So I was going to go down to welcome y'all in, but uh, it's probably not in the budget to, to go where you guys right. are. End up. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll do whatever. It's nice in, in January, February, Wes, you need to come on out. I'm sure. So I'll go around the uh, horn here to see if anybody has anything to add. Joe, you got anything to add? Well, I just want to thank uh, you and Lewis and Hard Rock Charlie, to be honest with you. And I want to thank the team. Um, it's not easy finding four individuals who are willing to sit in a boat together that have the time and, you know, ability to do that and the willingness to do something and be a part of a cause that's bigger than themselves. So, um, you know, I want to thank the team. I want to thank Charlie Company because, you know, three of us started in Charlie Company and the Charlie Company has been a part of, I know, our lives. And even with Dave, Dave's sons in 275. And, you know, they, it's, it's all the regiment, what they've done to us as teach us to grow as men has stayed with us. And just a quick segue, like Guy was saying, we reconnected at my retirement. Well, you know, I hadn't talked to Guy in decade maybe like maybe facebook every once in a while until the row i mean until you guys did the lake dora jump i hadn't seen a lot of those guys in 20 years right and then but but guy donated 300 bucks to my son's eagle scout project one day and i'm like my wife comes to me and she's like who's guy phillips and why did he donate 300 bucks i'm like i was in the army with him i don't know let me call him you know i mean and see what's going on and next thing i know we're on a boat together you know or like you know uh Dan Allen, when he was the company, our company commander, right? During Panama and right after right after that. And then when I made uh, Lieutenant Colonel, he pinned me, you know, at the Pentagon. There were several third platoon and Charlie Company guys there. So this network has been has been with us for the 30 years and the brotherhood. And so I just want to thank you guys. I want to thank the team for, for going on this journey with me and uh, appreciate everything you guys have done for us. Guy? I guess just uh, I'll keep it short. Just echo what Joe said. I mean, it's been the Hard Rock Charlie Foundation. Um, we all started there in Charlie Company. Um, you know, it, it. We all have ties to the Ranger community. Um, with it, it's just it, it's a brotherhood that goes to our families. Goes, we support each other when someone needs something. We're there for them. Um, Wes, Lewis, you guys know um, the stuff you've responded to with Hard Rock Charlie Foundation, uh, helping people, you know, fellow Rangers who are in trouble. 
and uh, need, needed that support or that help. You guys have gone on several missions just with Hard Rock Charlie Foundation and before that. And it's just been one of those things that we just keep, you know, it's really just about bringing it all together. And uh, like Craig said, people care. Um, not only do we care about each other after all these years, and you, you know, we were all young, dumb, and stupid when we started and didn't know what we were getting into. And then, you know, here we are 30 some years later and we're all, you know, we've all reconnected. Um, we built that brotherhood back and we're helping each other. And Craig was right. People, you know, as we've gotten around this country and fundraised and stuff, people care. They do care. So when you think no one cares about you, they do care. Dave, you got anything to say? Yeah, I'm just really thankful for uh, the opportunity and uh, just especially with the Ranger community and uh, knowing my sons and whatnot there. Also, just thankful for all the people who are either in the regiment or an SF regiment who have just kind of helped us and donated. And, you know, it's been amazing to see the outpouring of that. Obviously, everybody's got a budget. Everybody's got to live within that budget and we're just thankful for everything we've gotten and we're looking forward to being able to uh, basically broadcast from the boat and uh, share this uh, journey with all those other people who've been basically riding along for all these years in this community. Awesome. Well, what I would say to you is that uh, once you guys are done with this, I hope uh, that next May you find a way to come with either Guy or Joe and hang out at our little event and you're more than welcome to jump with us as well. Will do. Uh, Craig, you got anything to add before we get out of here? No, just uh, thanks a lot for the help and uh, appreciate the opportunity. And uh, I love you guys very, very much. Lewis, what about you, brother? I mean, I have lots of questions, but I'll, I'll go visit the site. Can you hit that site name one more time on the closeout? Yeah. Um, but no, outstanding. It's great to have all y'all here and what you're doing is just amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I wrote down a bunch of websites here, so uh, bear with me as we're getting ready to uh, close this session of the Hard Rock Charlie podcast out. Uh, to find information about this overall event, you'll go to usvetro.org uh, to find out about these guys as well. Uh, I believe the actual thing is the some kind of whiskey challenge, the Atlantic Whiskey Challenge. You can probably Google it and find it pretty easy. But this is the organization uh, that uh, sponsors fight or die. That's actually their website as well. So you can find out a lot of the good stuff, what they're going on. If you really want to find out, drill down and find out about our guys here, it's FOD23.org, FOD23.org. They've got all kinds of cool stuff up there. You heard what they need, follow them, post about it on your social media, uh, sponsor a mile. I can't imagine that uh, it's going to be that expensive to sponsor a mile. So uh, I think everybody should get out there and participate. Of course, if you need information about us, it's at hardrockcharliefoundation.org. You can email us at info at hardrockcharliefoundation.org. We, of course, thank our sponsors that have kept us going and, and continue to put money into our foundation, SOB Tactical, Patriot Spirit Vodka, Ohio Luxury Cabins, and Elite Leadership Training. Until next time, I'll sign off with this one uh, to start with, DOL, and of course, Rangers lead the way. All the way. That's it, brothers. Thank you guys.